Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today is Leviticus 26-27, Psalms 60, and Luke 16. So these are very robust chapters. And this is the chapter, Leviticus 26, where God talks to the people through Moses, of course. He's telling Moses, tell the people of Israel X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, before it was about um, how to make sacrifices and, and things like that. So now God's going into specifically very clear, there are consequences for our actions. Now, people can read this and go, gosh, you know, is God responsible for all the horrible things that happen to us, like skin breakouts and and um, all the terrible diseases and strife and things happening to us? Is that God's fault? So people tend to kind of think about it here that that whatever happens is God's fault. But in reality, nothing has happened. Well, actually, it has happened. The Egyptians, the Canaanites, there were evil people, including the people that were destroyed during during, um, Noah's time. So God is very familiar with the sinful nature of man, and he's saying, look, I'm teaching you step by step how to go through this process. Now, here's what's interesting. There are principles of this earth, there are laws, you know, like gravity is a law. If you jump off of something high and you, if it's too high, you're going to land and you can kill yourself. That's gravity. You don't argue with it. You don't blame gravity on God. And so God's telling the people, look, there are some principles, there are some laws, there are consequences for like cause and effect. And he's just really drilling it in, you know, if you have, um, you know, a teenager or something and you say, don't do drugs. Do you simply say, hey, by the way, I love you so much. Don't do drugs. How effective is that? Do you say, okay, by the way, don't do drugs. Or do you say, look, I am telling you, don't do it. It will destroy your life. Does it always destroy your life? No, it doesn't. Some people have gone down the drug path and then changed their mind and decided not to. But you still tell them as they're teenagers, don't do it. You can end up like that person in a drug rehab. You can end up like that person in a homeless shelter in in the streets. You can end up dead. Don't do it. So that's what God's doing right here. He's saying, don't do it. Don't make idols. Um, Stay humble. And humble doesn't mean letting people push you over. Humble is a heart-centered posture because God's always looking at the heart. So yes, it's very detailed and it's very um, serious in this chapter, but God's not messing around. He, and he's saying, look, these are the principles of, of the earth. Like gravity, things happen. And it's so, so true. Um, you know, if let's say you eat terrible, terrible food, well, that destroys your insides and your body and your gut. And so what happens? You get a major breakout on the skin or liver problems or symptoms, right? So it's the consequences of actions. So I don't mean to go in great depth, but I think God gets blamed for a lot of things that happen, even though he's been so clear. And then he says, then when they're Okay, their hearts are humbled and they pay for their sin. I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. So even though he said all these things are going to happen if you do bad, but if you humble your heart, I will um, fulfill my promise. 
Isn't that powerful? So God is truly such a loving God and he's being so clear. And so come on guys, he's just really trying to change this group of people to be a role model. Okay, so then um, chapter 27, redeeming what's the Lord. So it's the last chapter of Leviticus. He talks about how to give your first fruits, um, how to tithe, essentially. So read this on your own and feel, um, feel what you feel about what God says about tithing. Okay, moving on to Psalm 60. I'll go ahead and read this one because it's not very long. You have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry. Now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open, mend its fractures for its quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the the bow. So fear meaning respect and honor and listen to God's word. And so those things happened, and David's making reference that those things happened. But for those who stayed in reverence to God and followed his, his ways, those people stayed strong. Okay? Save us and help us with this right hand, with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Sheshem and measure off the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is mine, oh, is my helmet, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my wash basin, and Edom is my, I toss my sandal over, okay, yeah, I did not understand this part, but I'd have to go back and read again, and just, (laughs) so maybe you get it right away, okay, who will bring me to the fortified city, who will lead me to Edom, is it not you, God, you who have now rejected us and no longer go out with our armies, give us aid against the enemy, for human help is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory, and he will trample down our enemies. So I believe that here David is just pouring out his heart. And what he's really thinking, really, is his weakness right here. He's just just anguished and desperate. But he knows that with God, you will have victory. Yes, indeed. Luke 16. Whew. Jesus is having a heyday with his parables. He's talking about, um, let's see, the shrewd manager. Interesting story. Um, basically, read the story about the shrewd manager. Um, it's, it's a very... You'd have to read it slowly to kind of grasp what is it saying. But the lesson is it, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed in eternal dwellings. So how I take it is God's not saying don't have wealth. He's saying um, give, be generous, but also invest in relationships. And, um, you know, if you have wealth, have a gathering, have a party, Share with people. If someone else is struggling financially, help them out. And then if these are good people, then when you're having trouble, they will also help you. Um, let's see. Verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Ouch. Yes, indeed. 
Ooh. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So true. That is why wherever you're at in your life, whether you have a lot or a little, honor it. And if you have, like, um, if you have a little bit of money, don't just hoard it. Don't just hide it. Share it and invest it and grow it. Be wise with your wealth and tithe, give back, be generous. And the, to the capacity that you are generous and you use your money wisely, you'll be given more. But if you can't handle what you already have, then there's a good chance you're not going to be blessed um, with more. How many times have we seen like celebrities who've made money too fast? What happens? They squander it or they go down the drug path or they kill themselves. It's just too much too fast. So um, oftentimes, God doesn't care if we're super wealthy or super poor. The truth is he's looking at our heart and what we can handle. Serve God with your money. Yes, indeed. Do that. Um, The rich man and Lazarus. What else? What else? What else? So he's just teaching a lot of different lessons in this chapter 16. What is the one about Lazarus? Um, so I remember that. I don't remember what he's going. Um, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple, fine linen and lived in luxury every day at his gate. Was it late? Oh yeah. There was a beggar. Lazarus covered a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat fell from the rich man's table. Oh yes. He said, even the dogs. Ooh. Ooh, the dogs were licking his sores. So he was a beggar outside of the gate of this rich man. And the rich man did not help him. Well, when they both died, oh, the rich man also died. And he was buried in Hades, oh, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Ooh, so he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am an agony in this fire. Now, can I just say he's referencing Hades, so hell. So people question, is it really a hell or is it not a hell? I'm just saying, it's mentioned right here. So this person went down to Hades and he is in torment and he is in the fire of agony. Okay, it's a glimpse into, um, so you don't want to overlook some of these little clues and mysteries and and um, hints. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So Jesus is giving a clue into the difference between heaven and hell. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Oh my gosh. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. That is so accurate to even today. Is heaven and hell real? Do you really want to take a chance on pondering that? It says right here that hell is real, heaven is real, and there's a big chasm in between the two. They cannot 
go back and forth. And so this man is saying, please go tell my family. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the gospel. It's being spoken to them. And if they're not listening, they're not going to listen when someone is risen from the dead. Oh my gosh. I hope that really resonates with you because not, you know, I kind of, not that we need to be fearing hell because that's not the way it's presented, that we should be honoring God, um, living in the fruits of the spirit, loving Jesus, living in a state of love, not in a state of fear. Very important. We live in a state of love, joy, peace, all the fruits of the spirit, not in fear, but the realities of hell and the realities of denying, denying God has consequences. It's cause and effect. It's the principles of law. So, wow, that was a heavy one. That was Leviticus 26, 27, Psalm 60, and Luke 16. Hope you enjoyed that.